Let's open in prayer. Lord, we ask you to bless this time as we look at your word. We ask you to reveal what you would want us to see from this section. Let it be guided by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 11, starting at verse 27. Luke 11, starting at verse 27. This is right after Jesus has taught about prayer. He taught them how to pray. He's taught them about deliverance from demons and everything. And then we go into this. And it came to pass, as he spoke these things, a certain woman in the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that that bore you and the paps that have sucked. But he said, Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. And when the people were gathered thick together, he began to say, This is an evil generation. They seek a sign, and there shall be no sign given, but the sign of Jonah the prophet. For as Jonah was a sign unto the Ninevites, so shall also the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South shall rise up in judgment with with the men of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the utmost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh shall rise up in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, a greater than Jonah is here. No man, when he hath lit a candle, puts it under a, in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick that they which come in may see the light. The light of the body is in the eye. Therefore, when your eye is single, your whole body also is full of light. But when the, the eye is evil, your body is full of darkness. Take heed, therefore, that the light that which is in you be not darkness. If your whole body, therefore, be full of light, having no part dark, the whole shall be full of light. As when the bright, when the light shines of a of a candle, doth give light. So we're going to look at these things because this is kind of interesting. The first one is just a kind of an interesting note in there, and I I contemplated whether I could make an entire sermon out of just that one statement, and I probably could have, but I didn't feel like doing that. Blessed is the womb that bore you, and the woman that bre- breastfed you. Is basically we're going to turn it down into you know a different language. You know she's saying. And it's kind of interesting that it's a woman that speaks up, number one, in the crowd, because this is a time that women weren't supposed to speak, you know, in the, in the crowd. And she's speaking up, and she says, you know, blessed is your mother, basically. <laughs> your mother is really special. And Jesus kind of deflects that and says, no, the ones that are really special are the ones that are hearing and listening to my words. Now, he said this at another place when his mother and his brothers came to take him away because they thought he was crazy and you know they're they're going to come take him away because he's claiming to be the son of god and he's preaching to everybody and they're going you know well they're your mother and your brothers are outside and he goes you all are my brothers mothers and my brothers jesus really did understand that the church that the people that were following him were his family and it's kind of interesting for many people how many times does the church become more of a family than even their family? Yeah, and there's times when I thought that very way, you know, the church seems to be more of my family than my extended family. You know, my immediate family always went to the same church, so it was not that big a deal. But, you know, but more than my extended family, the church has been 
the one that I consider my family. So when Jesus is saying this, he's not saying, well, I'm totally ignoring my rest of my family. They're not important. He's just saying, this is what's important. The family that you're going to spend eternity with is what's important. And, you know, I want to be careful because otherwise it's going to take way too long on this portion. I want to get to the light. <laughs> uh, but, you know, think about this. We talk about oftentimes the family of God, the body of Christ. And I have people that will tell me, well, my experience isn't good with the body of Christ. Well, you know what? Every one of us have family members that we don't want to have anything to do with. But you know what? They're still family. <laughs> they still get invited to most of the family events. Maybe not every single family event, but the big family events they get to. And you're going, oh no, there is, you know, Uncle Joe over there, you know, <laughs> uh, stay away from him. You know, you'll hear, you hear the same jokes all the time, or he's crude, or he's going to get drunk, or whatever his problem is. You know, you go, okay, he's, he's the family, but, you know, we don't really want to do it. The church has plenty of people like that that you look at and say, they're just not the one I want to be around. And, you know, the funny thing is, if we want to find excuses for not serving God, they're easy to find. We are very good at finding excuses. Well, I'm not coming because, you know, Brother uh, Williams over there, he said something mean to me last time I was there. And every time I look at him, he's looking at me really bad and like he's judging me, so I'm not going to church. Well, I have a good for Stay away from Brother Williams, come to church and ignore him. You know, and I hope there's no Brother Williams around today. <laughs> yeah. But uh, who are you looking at when you come to church? You know, we sang a song that says that we're to forget about ourselves and magnify him. When we come to church, are we coming for our blessing, our edification, or are we coming to worship God? If we're coming to worship God, it really doesn't matter what anybody else does, says, what songs we're singing. Because uh, you know, we're not singing all the songs that I love just because I get to pick them. We're singing songs that other people have asked for. And, uh, the other day we were practicing a song, and I don't remember who asked for it. I go, Katie, okay, was this one of your songs? Because I couldn't remember the song. Uh, but, you know, so if you have a song in there that you really like or something that you want, let me know, and we'll try to, we'll try to sing it. We've got... Uh, Margaret, Star, Star of Bethlehem, that we sing around Christmas time now. I never heard it before until we started singing that. But, you know, my goal is not to sing just what I want to because I'm not here to please myself. I'm here to worship God. And there's, so what is your purpose? Are you looking to say that family is what's important? We get together, we worship, we fellowship. Our focus needs to be on God, not ourselves and not even other, not even each other, but on God. Is he being lifted up? Is he being worshipped? And then Jesus told him and says, This is an evil generation that seek a sign. Now this goes really contrary to what most pastors believe in their church. They would never say anything that might make people mad at them. Jesus has a whole crowd. It says that the people gathered thick together. Now, that means that they were crowded in. There was a huge crowd of people tightly packed in. Definitely not allowed in the COVID generation that we live in. <laughs> uh, they gathered around, and the first thing he says, this generation, which they're part of, 
is evil. You seek a sign. We actually do live in a generation that seeks signs. Why should we believe in your God? Show us some miraculous activity. Now, there are two things that I could do in this church to actually fill this building with no problem. One has already been done. Teach on eschatology in times. When I talked on eschatology for those uh, five, five months that we did eschatology study, that Bible study room was filled. <laughs> and I understand people love eschatology. The other thing we could do is say, we're going to have a healing service. And we'd be packed out for people wanting to see some miracle. And I'm not against either one of them, actually. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying we want to be very careful because Jesus said the evil generation seeks a sign. And he told them, you will only see the sign of Jonah. Now, there's debate on what this is all referring to because there's three things that Jonah did. Uh, first, he ran away from God, which we're not going to consider that. Jesus didn't want to run away from God, so that's definitely not the sign that he's talking about. All right. Jonah was told to go preach to the Gentiles. Nineveh was a Gentile country. Matter of fact, Nineveh was the enemy of the Jewish people at that time. So Jonah was being told, go preach to the enemy and get them converted. Uh, I don't know what our enemy would be. Let's say China. I guess China's our closest thing to an enemy for America. That would be like, okay, I want you to go preach to China. Uh, but it's even deeper than that because they were literally at war when Jonah. The other thing is because he ran away, God put him in the belly of a fish for three days. You know, how would you like to be in the belly of a fish for three days? It would not be a very fun thing. That could be very much what he was referring to because Jesus was going to die, be buried for three days, and come back to life. Just So that could very well be the picture that Jonah of Jonah that was being referred to. And the other portion, portion of this is when Jonah preached in Nineveh, when he finally got there, the entire city repented and converted, to, repented and, and turned to God. Any one of those three things could be the sign that Jesus is referring to. I'm going to preach to the Gentiles. I'm going to be dead for three days and rise again. And the world is going to be, is going, is going to repent and turn to me. So we don't know which of those he's talking about, but he says, I will give you the sign of Jonah. Jonah. And then he goes on to say that, and he just drops it there, and then he goes, the queen of the south. Now, if you were at Bible study Wednesday, you would know exactly who we're talking about. The queen of Sheba came to talk to Solomon. She came to find out, was Solomon really as wise as she had heard that he was? And she came asking riddles and enigmas to him to see if he could answer the questions. And he answered all of her questions. And then she started praising God of Solomon. And so... Jesus saying that the queen of the south shall rise up in judgment against this generation. Again, he's picking a Gentile to be in judgment of the Jewish people. Now, that doesn't strike us as Gentiles as hard as it would to the people he was talking to, the Jewish people. 
They thought they were so much better than the Gentiles because God had chosen Abraham to, and them to be his children. And Jesus is turning around and telling them, the queen of Sheba, who came from a long ways away, is going to rise in judgment against you. And there, and there would be hearing, a Gentile is going to judge us? A Gentile? I don't know how to really help us to understand that, but it is a shocking statement to them. They believe they would judge the Gentiles. And Jesus is saying, a Gentile is going to rise up because you are so evil, a Gentile is going to come up and judge you. This is very interesting statement when we look at it because this is not something that was for them. And again, I can't think, you know, back in the, back in the 70s and 80s, I would have said something like the Russians are going to come and judge us. <laughs> you know, but we don't have that kind of hard enemy like we used to. And China's a really soft enemy at this day and age. We don't really have a really hard enemy like we used to. But those of us in this room that are old enough to remember when the Soviet Union was a huge enemy, this would be that type of thing. Back when they were our enemy saying, they're going to come and judge us. We're the free people. We're, we've got the democracy. We've got the, the capitalistic system and everything. And they're going to come and judge us. All right. This is, what he, this is the shock of what he's saying to them. These Gentiles, this Gentile is going to judge you because she repented and came to me and you're not willing to repent. You're doing everything by tradition, by just this is the way it's always been done and your hearts have not turned to me. This is what he's talking about when he says this. And he says, the men of this generation and condemn them for she came from the utmost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. It's very interesting to me and sad to me is that the United States used to send out more missionaries than, than any other nation in the world to every, every country. In the modern days, America receives more missionary, Christian missionaries than any other country. Yeah. And it's really sad because we have churches, especially if you're on the East Coast and the South, there's a church on every single corner just about in most towns. And even around, you know, drive down Kingman, you go past 100 churches, it seems like. There's a church all over the place in Kingman. And yet, we in America are being targeted by other countries to say, we need to send missionaries to America. Why? Because even though there are so many churches, there are so many churches that do not teach the word of God and the salvation message. We have so many people that they are Christians in name only. They don't, they don't act like Christians. They, they don't think like Christians. They, they don't read their Bibles. They don't put the Bible in action into their life. You know, and it's sad to me, and I, and I think our church is better because I push so hard. Read your Bible every day. Most of you have read your Bible through every year. But if you go to most churches and you ask, if you read the whole Bible to the, most of the members of their congregation, they're going, well, I've read, I've read the Gospels. Might have read some of the epistles. You ask them, have you ever read the book of Habakkuk? What? What book is that? They might know the story of Jonah, but they probably never read the book. 
know, do we feed ourselves on the Word of God? Do we make it a priority in our life to spend time in God's Word and then take His Word and live it out? This is what He's telling the Jewish people. You know all the stories, you know all the things you're supposed to do, but you're not living according to the Word. And these foreigners are going to judge you. The Ninevites who repented are going to judge you. The Queen of Sheba will stand in judgment of you. And he says in this, she came to see Solomon and he said at the end of verse 31, and one greater than Solomon is here. Then he goes on and says, the men of Nineveh shall rise up in judgment of this generation and condemn it for they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold, a greater than Jonah is here. So again, he repeats this one about Jonah. It is going to be very interesting when people stand at either the Bema seat if they're Christians or the white throne judgment if they're not a Christian. For us as Christians, we stand at the Bema seat of Christ and he puts in all of our works in the fire and burns up anything that's not done by him. Now, we get to heaven by grace. We get rewarded by the works that we let God do. Now, the one thing that has been said, and I've passed this on many times, is when we get to heaven, we are going to be surprised by two things. Who's in heaven and who's not in heaven. Because we are saved by grace. We're going to look around and say, that person is here. That person who didn't seem to follow God is here. And then we're going to look around and say, where's the person who was in church all the time and was, was giving and all these things, and they're not there? Because they were following by works. We need to understand that repentance is what's important. We need to be able to come to God and say, God, I am a sinner. It is by God's grace through Jesus Christ that I can be accepted by God. Anything above that is not, is not valid. We are saved by grace. Now that grace will then mean that God is coming into me and there should be works that produce out of that salvation. But my works are not what saves me. The works are what is produced by being attached to Jesus Christ and growing in him. He said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abides in me will produce much fruit. And if you're into planting and, and, and uh, gardening, I'm not really, but I know a little bit about it. You have a watermelon vine, and you have that little vine going out connected to a, what starts out as a flower, and it becomes a water. What is that vine doing to make that, make that watermelon? Not a whole lot. It's the root that brings the, brings the nutrients to it. It just stays connected to the vine for the root. For us as Christians, how do we produce food for Christ? We stay connected to Christ. Doesn't matter what we do, what we don't do. It is him that does the work. And it gets hard for all of us as Christians. We all suffer this. God, could I have done more? What could I have done better? God, I'm not doing anything that is touching anybody's life. The problem is we don't know what it is we're doing that touches people's lives. And I'm going to tell you that if you're walking with God, you're living with God, and you're doing what God wants you to, wants you to do, and you're 
living a righteous life, you are touching more lives than you are aware of at any, one, at any time. The sad thing is oftentimes you have to die before everybody starts telling you what, how, how you touch their life, but, you know, and then we'll hear from God how we touch people's lives. But don't let Satan lie to you. If you're living for God, you are touching somebody's life in ways that you may not be even aware of. And if you don't believe me, think about when you got saved. How many people can you remember that were Christians that impressed you? Maybe they didn't get to, you didn't become a Christian when they talked to you, but you were impressed. They went to church every Sunday. They didn't go to the parties with everybody. They might not have said anything. They might have not have done it, but they lived a different lifestyle. They were generally happy and smile, smiled every once in a while, or most of the time. And you looked at them going, there's something different about it. Maybe it's them going to church or reading their Bible, whatever it might be. But they touched your life. They started you on that thinking process. You very well may be in that process where you just live a life that says, they're different. I don't know why, but they're different. They say it's because they go to church. They say it's because they know Jesus. They say it's because they're reading their Bible, but it touches them. Don't let Satan lie to you because as a child of God, you are not worthless. Christ died for you and me. He died for us so that we could be redeemed. He put great worth on us. Don't let anybody, including yourself, lie to you that you are not worth anything as a Christian. And this is hard, even, even for pastors and stuff, we go through the same thing. How come my church isn't as big as it went? How come I don't have more people? You know, how come this? How come that? What could I do better? And as soon as you put that I in there, you're in trouble. Whether it's the pastor or you, as soon as you're saying, what can I do better? You need to pray and say, God, take that eye out and just live through me. And this is very important on this. He says, all these people are going to rise up and be condemning, for they repented. And verse 33 says, no man, when he has lit a candle, puts it in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick. Now, secret place is kind of an interesting word because it literally means in a crypt or a cellar. I'm going to light my candle so everybody can see, and then I'm going to put it in the crypt and close the doors <laughs> so nobody sees this light. That's not what you're going to do with a light. That's not why you turn on a light. You turn on a light so that you can see what you're doing or where you're going. Now, this is kind of really interesting for us here in Chloride because when it gets dark around here, it gets dark. Now, in Kingman, it's not near as dark in Kingman because there's lights everywhere. It's, it's not a big city, but it's got lights everywhere. So you don't get that darkness we get here. Here, we get dark. When I lived in Guam, it got dark. <laughs> all right. I remember all the time seeing the Milky Way in the skies because it was so dark. You didn't go anywhere without a flashlight or something to light your way uh, because it was dark. We are a light to this world. We are not to take the light of our life and stick it in the cellar or under a bush. We are to put it on a candlestick 
and light up our area. And you know, the very interesting thing is God is looking at this and Jesus is speaking to them. Um, he says that the light may, that those that are around you may see by the light. We never really think about this, but have you ever thought how wonderful it is that light overpowers darkness? You probably have never thought about that. But if you're in a dark room and you light a candle or you light a, light, a, light a match or you turn on the light switch, does the dark stay there? If it did, we'd really have some concerns. Your light of God shining out of you overpowers the dark world. Why do people in the lost world get mad at us when we just walk into a room? Because we bring the light of God into that room. We bring God's presence into that room and his conviction of the Holy Spirit starts getting after people even if we do not say a word. It's an amazing thing. Just watch how people react to you sometimes when you're, when you're out there. You don't have to say a word. And people will react to the Holy Spirit's presence. Get prayed up. Get, get into God's word and then watch how people react. You know, example of this, I used to run a store. And I didn't preach to my employees. They all knew I was a Christian. They all knew I went to church. But my area supervisor came in. And apparently, because I had a visiting manager one time, and they go, who was that that just came in? And goes, the area supervisor. I go, uh, he's crude, rude, and, and loudmouthed, and, and vulgar. That was not who just walked in. I go, I never had to tell him not to do that. But it was not the style of what went on in my store, and it was not the spirit that was in that store. I feel that he was convicted when he came in that he had to be professional with his language. And I have seen this many times when you go into a situation and God is with you and all of a sudden things just change. Just change because you are bringing the Spirit of God. You are bringing the light of the world into that situation. And it says the light of the, of the body is in the eyes. Therefore, when the eye is single or whole or simple, the whole body can be full of light. But when the eye is evil... The body also is full of darkness. There is no part way with God. You are either all in with him or you're all out. There's no in between. Jesus' commendation of the Laodicean church was, you are lukewarm. I would rather you be hot on fire for me or ice cold, but don't be this lukewarm. Don't be following tradition. Do not be following, following just whatever, but make your decision. This is very important for us as Christians. Are we going to follow God with our whole heart, or are we going to just play around with it? If anybody is into athletics, you kind of know there's certain athletes, they're wholeheartedly into the game. They are playing and they're, they're there to play hard. You got some, very few usually, at the, especially at the high level, they're there just because mom and dad want them there or somebody wants them there and they want the, want the credit but they don't want to work at it. And then you got a few that say, well, I'm just a good athlete. I can get by on, on my skills, especially at high school. 
and lower. You got those that are just, I'm a really good athlete, I'm going to show everybody up just by showing up. And they are some, especially at the lower levels, that can do that. But there's some that are on fire. They, they are wanting to play. And you know the difference between them, if you're, especially if you're on the team and even watching. The unfortunate thing is the church is full of people that are just sitting around hoping that something's going to happen, hoping that they might just happen to walk into the right person and maybe, maybe they even want to share the gospel once in a while. They're just maybe possibly someday, someday somebody will just ask me, how do I get saved? Oh, I'm all set to tell you. Here, here's the track. Read it. Right there's a prayer at the bottom of the track. Are you ready to share? Are you ready to lift up Christ and lift him out? Are you hot? Are you on fire? Now, this is hard because it takes effort to be this way. What effort does it take? I need to be praying. I need to be reading the word of God. I need to be seeking. One of the greatest prayers that you can be asking each day is, God, lead me to the divine appointment you have for me today. If you were to start asking that prayer, God is going to put somebody in your path for you to minister to. He's going to put them in your path anyway, even if you're not looking for them, but you won't recognize that they were in your path until afterwards. But if you start saying, God, help me see who it is that I am to minister to, you're going to be shocked at how many people are out there waiting to be talked to and maybe even be saved challenge you to look at it ask God to show you those people ask him to reveal those people to you then he says in verse 35 very interesting take heed therefore that the light that is in you be not darkness how easy it is for us to deceive ourselves how easy for it is for us to make excuses about why we don't serve God well, God, you know, I'm just uh, really tired today. I can't, I can't take care of it. I can't do this. God, you know, that person just knows more than me. I can't share my testimony with them and tell them what I know about you because they're smarter than I am. God, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, just going to sit at home all day long. I'm not going to do anything. I know some of us that are retired, some that are retired, that may be just what you want to do. <laughs> but, you know, I... I love it because Annie was telling me, and you all know who Annie is, uh, you know, she was saying she's got a new ministry. When the salespeople call her, she listens to their sales pitch and then says, I want to tell you about my God. <laughs> and she shares her testimony in God with them. Have you ever thought about doing that to your, you know, I think you'll probably start getting less telemarketers calling if you start sharing the gospel message with them. Uh, but what are you doing? How are you reaching out? Who do you have contact with? We have tracks, and I've encouraged everybody, keep a couple tracks with you. If nothing else, pass one track out a day. You know, if you go to the doctor's office, if you're afraid to give it to somebody sitting there, leave it, leave it to one of the other books. <laughs> Maybe somebody will read it. You know, as you're going into the grocery store, or when you're leaving, if you'd rather do it, give it to one person as they're going in. <laughs> You never know what those things might do for somebody. The point that I'm making is do something to minister, to help out with all these things going on, and keep the light bright. 
Verse 36 says, if the, light, if the whole body therefore be full of light, having no part darkness, the whole shall be full of light, and then the bright shining of a candle doth give you light. When your whole body is lit, it's going to shine. Have you ever met somebody that you just know that they're a Christian? They haven't even said a word yet. The light shines, the presence of God is shining, the Holy Spirit is pouring out of them, and you just know that they're a Christian. I like talking to them. I like talking to those people and going, it is wonderful to get to know you. Now, tell me about it. You know, you, you, you're very happy. Why? And you're going to hear about God most likely. If they're shining that bright, you know that they know God and they're going to share it with you. We need a life that people know that we're different. Not judgmental, not con condemning, but that they just know. You know, hey, you want to go out and have the drinks with us? Well, I'll go out with you, but I'm only going to have, you know, uh, in my case, iced tea, as everybody knows. But, you know, I'm not going to have, you know, a drink. I'm not going to participate in yours. You know, I'm not judging them. They're going to feel judged because I'm not doing what they do, and especially if they're convicted. Do you know that the, when, they can, when they go after you, it is actually a very good sign because they are under the conviction of God and you are just adding to that conviction. You haven't said a word to them. You know, just said, I'm not going to do that. Oh, you're judging me. They're under conviction. God is after them. Don't take it personal. They're angry at God in you and God chasing after them. The Holy Spirit chases after people sometimes. And he and the and they will start reacting. They feel like a cornered, caged animal at that point, and they will strike out at anything, anybody that makes them feel worse. So, you know, what I'm trying to say is when you're being attacked for being a Christian, do not take it personal, do not stop living the way that you're living, but say, Thank you, God. Thank you. I don't know what you're doing in their life, but Thank you that I was able to be a little bit of light to them. It might be family members. You know, uh, growing up, my kids didn't do it too often because they knew it was a losing battle, but they, especially when they were teenagers, I don't want to go to church today. I don't care. <laughs> You're going to church. Unfortunately, there are families where as soon as they say that, oh, well, just make your own decision. You can go to hell. I don't care. Just stay home. That was not my attitude with my kids. As long as they lived in my house, they were going to go to church. Plain and simple. I didn't care if they wanted to, got nothing out of it, didn't matter, you were going to go to church and hear the word of God. How are we with those around us? Are we taking a stand for God that lifts up God? Are we being a light on a stand were we taking our light and hiding it down in the cellar and saying, I don't want anybody to see this light because it, they might ask questions. They might get offended. Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before the Father. We do not want to do that. We want to lift him high, lift him up, and let his light shine brightly in our life. How do we get the light? We fill our being with Jesus. How do we get more of Jesus? We get into the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We read the word. We listen to the word. We, you know, we, have, we have all kinds of apps. If you don't like reading, listen to it. 
him. You can listen all day to the Bible if you want. You know, all you can do is put an app on your phone and, and listen to the Bible all day long. You know, listen to teachers. Be able to hear. Build up your faith. Get to know the Word. Jesus said, I am the Word as well. He is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We get to know Him, and we fill our life with light. And this is where we want to be, as we get challenged on, we're living in a very dark generation, a very evil generation. It is easy to give up and think we're not doing anything. I was sharing with Margaret this morning, you know, if it was, and others at other, other, other times, if it wasn't for the church holding back the darkness, and we're failing, don't get me wrong, we are failing to hold back the darkness completely, but how dark would this world be if there wasn't light holding back the darkness right now? And if you don't believe me, start reading the book of Revelation and see how dark things will get when the church is taken out and Satan is free to move mostly the way he wants. He's still under a leash, but he's going to work to do what he wants mostly. And it is going to get dark, and it's going to get evil, and it's going to be hard. And we're watching it get darker and harder, and the light is, holding, is, is losing ground, but the church is still holding back the full darkness. Our job as Christians is to share Christ with others and keep the candle moving forward. Keep the light. We are in a battle. We are in a war, and we need to remember that we are in a war. And the good news is, no matter how dark this world and evil this world gets, this is not our home. We get to go home soon. Now, how soon soon is, is another story, but we get to go home and leave all of this darkness, all of this wickedness, all of this evil behind. Don't ever think of this as your home. Does that mean we can't enjoy earth? No, we can enjoy things in, on earth, but we've got to remember we are in a battle and we are Christ representatives. And there is going to be a time when we are called home. And God says, now is the time, come home. For those who are in the military and they go into overseas port, their favorite thing is that they get to go back home. When is my rotation over? Our rotation is going to end soon. Now, that soon may be a couple decades from now for some of us, maybe three or four decades for some of us, but it is going to end soon, and we get to go home for the rest of eternity. Do not get weary of the battle. Do not get weary of what God is putting us through because it is just a short time that we go through it. Lord, we ask you to bless this time. Lord, teach us to be following you in all we do. Lord, if there's anybody that doesn't know you that's listening to this broadcast that we ask today that they will recognize that they're a sinner and they will confess and say, Lord, I am a sinner. I repent of my sins. I turn to you. You are the only way for me to get into heaven and come into my life, Jesus, and, and pray that prayer. And Lord, for those of us that know you, I ask that we all make a commitment for strength to stand with you, to be a great light in the darkness. And we just thank you for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Listening friend, do you know where you'll go after you die? Without the gift of Jesus, it will be an eternity in hell without God. Good works will not get you there. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. 
To spend eternity with God, we must recognize that we are sinners in need of Christ. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. To be assured eternal life, we simply talk to God, admit you are a sinner, and ask him for his free gift. You must mean the words to, get the, to be answered. Jesus is waiting to hear your request. If you have asked him for eternal life, he has come into you and he will change you. Start reading the book of Ephesians and see what God says about your new life. After you understand the book of Ephesians, you can start reading the Gospel of John. Next, find a good Bible teaching church. Tell the pastor about your decision for God and be taught. If you contact us, we will send you a new believer booklet free of charge. Congratulations and grow in Christ. You can contact us by email at office at chloridebaptistchurch.com or by snail mail at P.O. Box 65, Chloride, Arizona 86431. We are happy to help with your new life in Christ or even answering Bible questions. Again, congratulations on your decision for Christ.